0: Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us this weekend. Hey, well, uh, we are going to kick off a brand new series this weekend, and it's called Home Run and Going Yard in Church. You know, it's uh, the dog days of summer, it's baseball season, and uh, we thought we would tap into that theme and uh, really look at our experience of church. As Hitting a home run Uh, before we jump into the teaching though do want to remind you uh, there is a complete set of notes available Uh, you find it by getting the U version app on your phone or your device lower right hand corner hit the drop down menu under events search for Arlington FM Church and there you will find a complete set of notes for this message Uh, also when you're in your podcast player you can search for Arlington FM as well and there you will find all Of our teaching content well uh, why the baseball analogy why this idea of a home run yeah well somebody depicted our experience of church uh, like this Uh, they showed a baseball diamond and uh, you know in uh, kind of the brief summary of this is uh, if you want to hit a home run in church you should see it as uh, rounding the bases and uh, getting to first base really is knowing the salvation and the hope that's in Jesus Christ We join with other Christ followers in this experience called fellowship. We grow in Christ, uh, and that's referred to as discipleship. We become mature, begin to take on his character and his likeness. And then we uh, round the bases, and we begin to learn how to serve Christ in our own unique way with that grace, that gifting that's on our lives. And uh, then the long ball is really uh, hitting it out of the park, uh, sharing this hope that we have in Jesus with others well uh how many of you have been to a, a professional baseball game yet this year well if you've ever been to a game at all you know there's nothing quite like uh, hitting the long ball you watch that that ball going 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 gone and there's a, kind of a magical feeling about it in fact i remember a time uh, i hadn't played baseball or softball in a number of years And uh, somebody who was on a church league invited me to join in. And uh, suddenly, I found myself uh, at the plate, the batter's helmet on. And uh, I hadn't been at the plate in a number of years. And that first pitch uh, came, and uh, I put the fat part of the bat on the ball. And lo and behold, it went out uh, over the second baseman's head, beyond the outfielder, going, going. I went yard. It actually cleared the fence much to my surprise and to the surprise of everyone else on the team. Well, the downside of that was it set the bar way too high for what I could do at the plate. In fact, every other appearance uh, from that point on, uh, I didn't get a hit. (laughs) I couldn't put the bat on the ball. Well, unfortunately, at that experience, uh, having a good good interaction with the church, uh, with church people, Uh, maybe somebody uh, their experience has been uh, it was really good they felt loved by God and loved by people and then unfortunately it went downhill from there and uh, had a hard time connecting and eventually drifted away from their experience of church well uh, in fact so many people have had this experience someone wrote a book it was called the rise of the nuns and uh, it was people who had had uh, a good experience at one time with church, uh, but then as the years went on, they found it less and less meaningful, you know, a less valuable part of their spirituality. And many of these nuns uh, made expressions uh, like, I, well, I still believe in God. In fact, I still love Jesus, but church is not for me, that whole organized religion thing. And, uh, you know, uh, that is the opposite of what God intends us to experience with other people of faith, uh, that uh, our attachment uh, to the church is supposed to be one of our most vital attachments in life, where we experience support, strength, a mutual sharing of burdens, uh, a commiserating with one another where we experience God together in ways that we never could in other aspects of life. Well, uh, I would ask the question as we begin this series, Home Run, Going Yard in Church, what does it take? What does it take to have that kind of vital, meaningful, life-giving, purposeful uh, attachment to other people of faith that we call the church? Well, someone, uh, here's a number of books from my shelf. Uh, Someone wrote a book called The Irresistible Church. And in this book, they uh, spelled out 12 traits that make your church one that God's pretty excited about. Uh, Someone else wrote a book called The Integrated Church, and their whole deal was that uh, unless your church is multicultural, multi-ethnic, it's not the church that God intends it to be. Uh, Someone wrote a book on Christian mission, and unless you're on mission with Jesus in the world, you're not the church you're supposed to be, and you'll never hit a home run. And uh, finally, this book, Uh, called The Secret Shopper, and uh, in this one, yeah, it is what it sounds like. Somebody went around and secretly visited churches and tried to identify what is that that makes them irresistible, and uh, his conclusions included, well, they have nice buildings, they have good signage, and they have pleasant smells. (laughs) We all know how important that is, but uh, here's a, a more important Uh, observation about the truth and a more important thing to consider when it comes to our experience of church. What did Jesus have in mind? Uh, What did Jesus have in mind when he envisioned this collection, this gathering, this organization of uh, individuals who follow him and put their faith in him? After all, uh, Christ is the one who said this. He said, uh, I will build my church Uh, hear those words i jesus will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it Uh, the apostle paul one of the the first enemies of the church after he experienced the risen jesus wrote this about what this collection of uh, christ followers is to become Uh, he said in his letter to the ephesians in christ in their relationship with him The whole building is joined together, being fit together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That sounds pretty impressive. And he says, and in him, in Christ, as you relate to him, you too are being built together to become a a dwelling, a house in which God lives by his spirit. You know, that's an amazing statement about church uh, really at its essence it is to be a place where god lives by his experience you know when you look at the things that jesus said about his church that he would build and what the bible teaches uh, you could ask this kind of question what kind of church becomes a dwelling in which god lives by his spirit uh, you know jesus said is his uh, is his temple would be a house of prayer for all nations. What kind of church becomes a house of prayer for all people? Uh, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest. You could ask what kind of church becomes a place of refuge for the hurting and the broken. Uh, Jesus said, I've not come uh, to uh, save the healthy. I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. What kind of church reaches people that are far away from God? Uh, What kind of church uh, responds to the command of Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples? Uh, Jesus said the number one commandment of all is that we would love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So what kind of church actually loves God with everything that they are, with all of their heart and all of their soul, and all of their mind, and all of their strength. And uh, Paul would write it later in his letter to the Ephesians, uh, unto him be glory in the church, both now and forevermore. And so we could ask, what kind of church actually brings glory or renown, celebrates the goodness of Jesus both now and forevermore? Well, uh, these are all descriptions of the kind of church experience where they're going yard, They're hitting a home run if they're accomplishing and being a part of all those wonderful realities. And uh, this is the kind of church that Jesus is building. And it's the kind of church that is described. uh, The very first church in Acts chapter 2, a group of disciples uh, did what Jesus said. They waited until the Spirit of God came upon them and uh, something amazing happened. And here is how that very first church that uh, hit the long ball. Here is how it's described, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, All the believers, those who responded to to Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared the things that they had. In fact, some of them sold their property and possessions. They shared their money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes to experience the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And as a result, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, this is a a description of the church that Jesus said he would build. And uh, this is a church that's going yard. Uh, They're hitting it out of the park. They're rounding the bases. They're doing all those things uh, that have been described as a healthy and functioning church well if you if you look at acts 42 through 47 I hope you'll do it on your own read through and reflect on what it is that makes a church and our association with it one of the best things in our lives uh, what you'll find is these five elements are highlighted uh, these five things took place in the early church and in every healthy expression of the church that Jesus is building. They worshiped together. They worshiped God. Uh, They fellowshiped with one another. Uh, They were involved in discipleship or strengthening and building each other up. They were involved in ministry. They learned how to serve in peculiar and wonderful ways. And they shared the message, and God added people to their number. Well, uh, in this introductory message in this series, uh, we're going to look at... uh, one of these five elements, and we'll do it each uh, in the ensuing weeks. Uh, But today, uh, I want you to just give a little bit of thought uh, to this one element that was identified as part of a healthy church that was hitting it out of the park. And that is uh, very simply, they worshiped God together. They worshiped God together. And, uh, you know, uh, here's a couple of keys as we try to unpack Uh, what this actually is describing of these first followers of Christ is they regularly and often worship God together. And uh, here's one key uh, of understanding that worship is what grateful people do. Uh, Worship uh, naturally flows out of a grateful heart. Here's another key. A grateful is what people who experience God are. Uh, People who genuinely experience the God that Jesus Christ revealed experience gratitude, and out of that gratitude flows worship. Uh, You might say it like this. Here's one of the key truths of today's message. Worship is the only accurate and healthy response to God. Uh, In other words, when we see God as he really is, as Jesus made him known, we'll want to respond in in devotion and gratitude to that God. And it's healthy when we see God as he really is to respond in worship, uh, brings health into our lives. Uh, So what does it mean uh, to worship God together? And why in the world do we do that uh, as a way of heightening our experience of church? Well, let me say this. Uh, singing songs and saying prayers is not worship uh, hear that again that may surprise you singing songs and saying prayers is not worship if it's not a, those uh, activities are not attached to a heart that is responding to God uh, see that's a, that's kind of a, a big deal uh, throughout the Bible is that uh, God never intended his people uh, to go through religious acts and rituals that were not a response uh, to himself. And so at the very heart of worship is an accurate and healthy response to God. as he is, you know, many of the uh, Old Testament prophets, uh, the major and the minor prophets, uh, uh, as they close the, the the story of the Old Testament, they spoke to this very thing and uh, they declared that God not only is not excited about uh, singing of songs and ritual activities that are not sourced in genuine hearts, he hates it. He says, I despise your religious observances. Uh, God says, uh, your prayers are disgusting to me. I turn a deaf ear to them, and uh, your songs are, are a shrieking sound in my ears when they're not attached to hearts that are humble that seek justice and live with the mercy that god expresses to us you know we have a dog a little seven pound dog he's got a superpower you know what that is he he has a shriek he has a shrill squeal when you try to do anything to him give him his doggy medicine clip his nails washes give him a bath Whatever it is, if he doesn't want to do it, he shrieks and it's ear piercing. It hurts. It makes me want to just get away from him. Well, God is saying, look, when, when we go through religious rituals and observances, but they're not connected to a heart that is responding to him, it has that impact uh, on him. Uh, Jesus said it like this. Uh, these, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's not worship, Jesus said. They worship me in vain. In other words, their religious practices are empty and void of worship, and the teachings are merely human rules. And see, God is not into that. Uh, All of these uh, are expressions uh, of a kind of worship that are repulsive to God. And in this case, The rise of the nuns those many people who say they still believe in God they still love Jesus but they can't stand that organized religion well that's actually closer to the heart of God than people that are going through empty practices and rituals Uh, Jesus began to really zero in on this Uh, John chapter 4 he's meeting with the woman at the well Uh, her life is a wreck of relationships she's been through five marriages and uh, Jesus begins to engage her in a conversation about religious practice. And uh, the, the, the kind of the consummation of this conversation with her is he said, look, uh, worshiping here or worshiping there really isn't what matters. What matters is God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth, that they'll really engage with God and respond to God as he is, it is what God is looking for in people. I love this uh, famous verse from the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 16 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord range to and fro across the face of the earth, that he might strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. See, that's what God is into. He's looking for hearts that are responsive to his goodness and his grace Uh, see worship it is the only accurate and healthy response to god as he is Uh, jesus told story after story after story about the goodness of god the nearness of god the resources of god the availability of god and if we will recognize that uh, we will respond with gratitude Uh, in fact you could say it like this those who know the goodness of god live eternally grateful to god that was the message of many of jesus's stories as those who know the goodness of god live eternally grateful to god their lives of worship are merely an expression of that gratitude uh, worship is a response to god as he is and when we see god in all of his uh, generosity his grace his kindness. Uh, we can do nothing but respond in worship. Uh, I love Paul's letter uh, to the Romans. Uh, early on in this letter, chapter 1, he's beginning to describe uh, why is the world such a broken place? Why are there so many problems in the world? Why can't we just get along? Well, uh, Paul brings it down to this. Uh, people fail to respond to God as he is in all of his goodness He writes, uh, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew this about God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. See, worship is the only accurate and healthy response to God As God is a grateful heart is an accurate response to God. But uh, this question, as we come uh, to the end of this opening message, is uh, why did the early believers worship together? I mean, isn't that something they could just do on their own? Uh, Why was that a part of church life? Why was it a part of going yard as a congregation of believers that whenever they came together, uh, out of their hearts came these expressions Of gratitude for the goodness of God well uh, I'll say three things are produced when we join uh, with other Christ followers and express uh, our gratitude to God as worship when we do that together uh, our joy increases there's a sense of gladness that grows uh, in our midst but not only our joy our confidence that rises when we join our hearts together and we express to God how grateful we are for his goodness expressed to us in Christ, uh, there's a sense of strength that happens. Uh, victory, so many pictures in the Old Testament of worship, uh, releasing the strength of God into his people, none greater than when Joshua uh, had the armies of God circle Jericho seven times at the head of that uh procession were the worshipers. They were lifting their voices, declaring the goodness, the faithfulness of God. And uh, if you're familiar with the story, on that seventh trip around, uh, they raised a mighty shout, a declaration of the goodness of God, and the walls came down. So when we worship together, there's an increase of joy, uh, there's an increase of strength, and uh, there's an unfolding of our future when we worship together. I would uh, encourage you when you're on your own sometime this week, uh, read Revelations chapter four and chapter five. It's a wonderful pulling back of the curtain of the kind of worship that happens around the throne, the eternal throne of God. For one thing, the victory of Jesus Christ on our behalf uh, in those wonderful chapters, all of humanity All of our hopes and dreams, all of our aspirations for wholeness and health and love are depicted as being written on a scroll, and that scroll is sealed. And uh, no one can open that scroll but then one with the appearance of a lamb who was slain, a picture of Jesus Christ uh, having been crucified on the cross, raised from the dead. He takes that scroll and he begins to open it. It signifies in a profound way uh, Jesus uh, retaking, uh, apprehending all the plans and the purposes of God for our world and for your world, uh, for our lives. And as he opens those scrolls, uh, all of heaven bows down and worships. There's this overflowing sense of gratitude for what God has done in Christ Jesus. Well, uh, as we close this message Uh, I would say uh, that is the essence of why a healthy church, a church that's going yard, a church that is uh, attractive even to the nuns uh, of this world who've written off organized religion, when we truly worship God as an accurate response to who he is, out of grateful hearts, there's something powerful and attractional that happens. Uh, I love the way uh, Peter uh, writes about this to, again, the first followers of Christ. He says in his uh, first letter, chapter 2, verse 9, you, you followers of Jesus, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. And uh, for this purpose, uh, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light and see that invitation uh, to be someone who declares openly your gratitude for God. There's something wonderful and powerful about that. You know, the Bible says God will inhabit the praises of his people. And when genuine hearts come together and, uh, and, and uh, exalt and lift up and declare the goodness of God, uh, God joins us. We become that temple in which God lives by his spirit and all those wonderful things that can only happen when God is in our midst happen in us. Well, I'd like to invite you to join me in a prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for this invitation to, uh, to go yard in our experience with your church. And we acknowledge, Lord, uh, over the years, over the centuries, even over our own lives, we've not been the church that you designed uh, we've uh, veered off course, uh, Lord, and uh, we want to thank you for this uh, call, this invitation to return uh, to the church that you designed it to be, this uh, gathering of people who worship you together, who, from the, the, the depths of our hearts, there's this overflow of gratitude. Uh, Lord, thank you. That's the, the picture of how the church was born. When those 120 believers gathered in the upper room and your spirit came upon them, uh, opened their minds, opened their hearts, flooded them with the awareness of what you had accomplished through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Uh, we're told that they began to declare the mighty works of God and thousands of people were drawn to that declaration and your church was born i pray holy spirit of god uh, that you would bring us back to that heart of worship Uh, give us minds that that perceive what you've done in christ give us hearts that respond to the goodness of god and lord let anything we do in worship whether it's the singing of songs our prayers serving our neighbors loving our family the way we approach our work lord let it all be a declaration In a response to your goodness, I pray Jesus' mighty name, amen.